There we go. Now we've got things going on. Now we got some things going on. <laughs> Start over. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tales from the Blue Cottage. Uh, thank you for listening in. And if you're new here, then welcome. We hope you enjoy what you what you hear, and hope you enjoy the the adventures that are about to unfold, that have been unfolding. Um, for those of you who have been following along, thank you for continuing to uh, to listen in on these podcasts. And if you're really enjoying what you hear uh, and you would like to support us, there's a couple ways you can do that. Um, you can actually follow us on our TikTok at Blue Cottage D and D, and watch us as we perform really ridiculous D and D skits and uh, make fools of ourselves. Uh, it, you know, we, we have a lot of fun making them. We hope you guys enjoy them. Um, uh, you can also follow us on our Instagram at Blue Cottage D and D. And you can also follow our other podcast, which is Tales from the Winter Wilds, also on your Spotify, Pod, Podbean, iTunes, wherever you want, wherever you listen to your podcast, should be there. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you really, 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 really like us, and you really enjoy this, and you would really love to support us and, and, and help us bring you more and better content, um, there's some there's a couple ways you can do that as well. You can actually check out our candle company. Uh, MidnightStrayCandleCo.com where we make fantasy-inspired scented candles to help enhance the experience around your very own D&D table. Um, and they also make your bedroom, bathroom, hallway, closet, anywhere you want to put them smell better. <laughs> smell great. Uh, smell great. I want a closet candle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, we also have a Kofi. It's uh, Kofi.com forward slash Blue Cottage D&D. And uh, to all these, who, to, to all those of you who have supported us this far, thank you so much. Um, and to everyone else, thank you for listening in. And we hope you continue to follow along, and because uh, we're gonna be, we're gonna keep coming back. So, anyways, with that, we're gonna go ahead and jump into today's today. It's a strange today. playing during the day. Actually, it's a little unusual playing during the day for us, but it's nice. Um, so, last we left off. Thing. I, I think it's, it's been a couple weeks and my dumb ass didn't get the podcast done so I didn't have a chance to listen back um, last we left off you all had just finished uh, exploring through Laszlo Norson's manor um, a, finding out his dirtiest of secrets and discovering that he was part of some sort of cult or strange uh, gang or something this it was called the uh, the Order of Lordly Souls, and apparently they had been kidnapping slaves and murdering them for their own pleasure or to some other end. Um, you also discovered that they had uh, someone known as the Descendants, who they were teaching to play the lyre of all things. So apparently, they were trying to acquire the very same Orpheus's lyre that Castros has been searching for. Um, after this, you all returned to the Hinterval Manor, washed up, cleaned up. The next morning, you exited out and ran into one Jacoby Hinterval, who was, or excuse me, Jacoby uh, Havendall, excuse me, not Hinterval, who was very uh, disturbed and panicked and, and freaking out as he was pulling his hair out. He looked kind of older, and as you guys got to speaking to him, he told you that he was just 20, like 20 something years old the day before. He was he aged 10 years, um, apparently overnight, and he was panicked, and he's offering a 2,000 gold piece reward to anyone who can solve the mystery of the timeless death that has been spreading through the city, because apparently he's infected with it, and he wants a cure. After this, um, you guys decided to make your way up to the, uh, up to the 
the horizon's eye. You, you magicked your way inside and into the bathhouse where you ran into some interesting individuals, a dragonborn bodyguard who seemed to take a bit of a liking to Adamant as well as a uh, one Niterius who was, you know, is putting on the, uh, the, the big show that Cashos is to be attending in a few days. You also met the twin uh, elves who were the patrons of this uh, particular uh, hope, uh, sorry, spa, if you will. And their names were Sula and Turo. Um, after this, you decided to go and have your warm-up practice with Lathor. You made your way down to the old districts and into this old abandoned theater um, where she led you inside and as you got up onto the stage, she was telling you that she had invited some friends to listen in. Well, you quickly learned that she was not the person you thought she was, as she turned on you and introduced herself once again to you, but this time with her last name, with her full name, Lafleur Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she said that it was her destiny to play the liar, and that she could not allow you to do such. And then she pulled out this skeletal violin, began to play this horrifying theme, and brought all of her audience, which were dead, to life. To which they began to attack all of you. Casper's, you failed your wisdom save a couple times and were held in place, <laughs> unable to unable to make a move until the very end. Um, and during amidst all of this, uh, the thing that stood out to particularly to you, Adam, and to you, Cecilia, because Cecilia, you could see them. There were figures up in the balcony watching this ten-foot-tall humanoid, flanked on either side by uh, two smaller humans, each of them wearing golden masks. And Cecilia, despite your blindness, you could see their form, their astral form there, physically just kind of shifting about in the upper balcony. And the figure had this, his face, as soon as Adonith, uh, the music began to play, Adonith had cast the spell, her, that astral form took over her once again, kind of revealing her Nyx-born heritage. And when it did, that entity in the balcony took great interest in it. And you noticed that. Um, and just as you were all about to finish off the floor, she was at her wit's end, um, fading, bleeding out. She looked to the balcony, and you all saw as that individual and his two bodyguards were leaving, exiting towards the stairway. And she began to appear very distraught as this happened, as if she had just become hopeless and gave up. And with one final arrow from Cecilia, you clipped her fingers off, her strange uh, violin made of bone and ivory clattered to the ground, kind of scattering to a couple of people. It's not totally broken, mind you, but it did break into a couple of pieces. And the strange Nyx shard that was embedded within it hit the ground and cracked as well. And all of the zombies fell with a squish as they hit the ground. And that is where we're going to pick up today's session. Is the floor? I will note that her last, the last thing she said was that I was never alone. And then you heard this voice that kind of carried on this wind that surrounded her that said, "She's mine. She belongs to me." And then she faded. You wanted to ask questions, but something did not want you to ask them. 
doing. And that's what we're gonna pick up. <laughs> can I, um, where that shard was, can I go and pick it up and attempt to cast a mending on it and see if anything happens? Okay. So you wander over to it, um, and it does, it does still give off this arcane glow as you approach it. You can still see it does have some magic to it, but it, is, it does have a bit of a crack in it. The shard is maybe an inch and a half, two inches long by about half an inch, three-quarter inch wide. Just a little piece, like a chunk of gemstone almost. But it looks like the night sky, much like that larger uh, gemstone that you found in the temple to Erebos a few weeks prior. And as you touch it, your entire form <laughs> turns into that astral form. And it gives off this kind of, just begins to hum. Did the mending work or no? No, mending does not work on it. But it does appear to still have some sort of magical effect. Artemis, do you think you could hold on to this now? Sure. As you take it, Artemis, you watch as that astral form kind of washes up your forearm a little bit. It doesn't take hold of you entirely like it did with Adam. But until you place it in your pocket, your hand and your upper arm looks like the night sky. Strange. Like something that happened in the uh, temple once before. Kilsaris, do you know anything about her having the same last name as you? Do I, dear? <laughs> make a uh, make a history check for me. Not to put you on the spot or anything, but so much was going. As far as your, from what you can remember, I mean, you knew your family growing up. Maybe you have distant relatives. You don't yeah. remember your parents ever talking about them. You know, your father traveled around a lot, mm-hmm. but. Um, you're not, you're not sure. What about my father's, like, siblings, I know? Um, you would know that your, your father had spoken of having a, uh, a brother and a sister growing up, but they, he always said they just live far away. You, you don't know where, you don't know where they're from. You're not entirely certain. Mm-hmm. I convey that to everyone. <laughs> Definitely did not know that... We were related. <laughs> that threw me for a loop. The only person who knows about the stuff that was in the book is him, right? It was in the... Oh, yeah. In the, the journal. Yeah, because he's the only one that's read it so far. Unless you've shared that with the group. I mean... Mm-hmm. Not to many. Uh, yeah. was, uh, yeah. what I've read, so I feel like I'm going to share it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> so we'll say that Artemis shares that information about the descendants that was mm-hmm. tortured by Laszlo Norson. Oh, yeah. Um, did as, they say that they took her as a small child or traded her? As you, as you begin to read it, um, uh, it does say that she was her her parents or her family was killed and she was uh, stolen away. So. Oh, I really feel sad for her. I know. She could have had a better life. She could. I'm gonna start looking through. Her stuff. Her <laughs> person. Did anyone see you or recognize those people out there in the mask? You said they looked familiar, but not anybody that I... Not so much familiar, you just remember the, the, the way they looked. They didn't... 
whereas all the others, you can see the astral form and the eyes and the mouth that makes out a very good silhouette of them. These individuals that look like they had gaping holes where their eyes should be. Their mouths were just open maws. It's like they just, whatever's beneath that mask, they're hiding it for a reason. Um, except for the 10 foot tall individual. He had a full face that it was very slender, um, had came down to kind of a long, narrow chin, um, bald head. He looked humanoid, just rather tall, nine, 10 feet tall. Slender, like just tall, lanky as well. Not, not necessarily strong. I'm gonna look around and keep an eye out and see if we've drawn attention. Okay. You know, making all the noise. Well, probably to go upstairs as to where they were to turn it off. Huh. No, off. For now. Yeah, just off. Just off. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, uh, you're going to make your way upstairs. You're looking through her stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, would the, what would you two like to do? Yeah, I said I was looking for people that were... That we might oh, I got you. Attention. Okay. So, and what about you, Arliss? Was there anybody else here when we... All the zombies? Okay. They, you know... You do notice that they all have... Still have jewelry on. They, they look very well dressed as well. Yeah. I guess um, check out the zombies. So. And that would be a point of note as well. As you read through the journal, you know that this Order of Lordly Souls was a, a number of 16 people. There are 16 undead here. Or now, dead, dead, unundead. D E D E. Dead, undead. So as you start sifting through the floor stuff, um, you're making your way upstairs. Uh, you're, you'll have to kind of like track it. You know, uh, it's hard to see. There, there is still little remnants of stars here and there, um, but you could probably make your way back and up. Uh, make a perception check for me. I'm gonna cast guidance on myself. Okay. So as you begin to sift through LaFleur's things, you do find um, she has a pack, like a small pack, and inside that pack there is a pair, of, like a set of old rusted manacles that are shattered. Like the, the cuffs on them have been broken. You also find a golden mask that is sculpted eerily to look like LaFleur's face. I don't want to touch it. Okay. <laughs> so you just kind of leave that there. Yeah. As you kind of like sift around, there's this shine of gold, and as you kind of tilt the bag, it is a golden mask of her face. Okay. I convey that to Artemis. Tell everyone about it. And yeah. see if you can do this little hand thingy <laughs> to bring it out. <laughs> Take the mage hand and I guess pull the mask out and let him inspect it mm-hmm. and okay. then put it in a sack or something, I guess. You know. Why do you think she would have this? Or these people are wearing these masks. Part of some sort of cult. I don't know. I mean, do, um, were Lazo and them wearing certain masks or anything? No. You didn't find any information on the masks with, within Lazlo Norson's things. Have any of the other masks we saw like that went back with the goblins, whatever else did they ever look like? These masks look like that golden mask that you found back. But did they actually look like? They look like people. Yeah. Okay, I mean, they're so all they're different. They're not. Yeah, each one's different. Okay, Everyone okay. looks like a like a human face okay. etched into it. 
uh, even the ones in the upper upper level of the balconies, which you saw during that combat, the two uh, regular-sized humans on either side of that tall individual, they both had different masks on their face. Um, you also find a set of pearl earrings. One of them's got a little bit of blood on it. Oh. <laughs> you find her coin purse, which has 52 gold pieces and 85 silver pieces in it. And then you find the her the pieces of the violin she was playing. You can turn it back on. That's that's fine. So, Castros, you think that the whole time she knew about the me? Falcon, you know. I mean, I think so. I immediately introduced myself to her with my last name when we first met. So I guess this was her plan this whole time. Comes back to you as well. As soon as you introduced yourself and gave your last name, she gave you a look. Yeah. You actually brought that up. Yeah. In conversation afterwards. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What was your perception check, by the way? Nine. Empty theater. Part itself. You, you weren't incredibly loud, and it, from when you guys were coming in, didn't seem to be a lot of people living in this area mm-hmm. either. Um, so you're, it doesn't seem like you've attracted any attention. Uh, Artemis, as you begin to go sift through the the other bodies, you find a, you find a few things actually. And Cecilia, I haven't forgotten about you. I'll get to you in just a moment. I'm gonna get all the loot done and out of the way first. That is <laughs> important stuff. Uh, you find several signet rings on these individuals' fingers, on their fingers, and you discover that these, the way they're dressed, they all look like nobles or high merchants. Uh, you find three silver libra signet rings. You find a signet ring that has a uh, like a very interestingly written V in it, almost like a Roman numeral V. And in the middle of it, there appears to be like a sun or a star, like in the middle of the the V itself. And then you find one that you recognize. Um, there's two two signet rings that uh, that have two A's written on them. Both of them made to look like mountain peaks. You recognize this as being the Alpine Alchemy Guild rings. The only reason you know this is because they are, uh, they're traders in alchemical components. And I know that from... Because you remember seeing it when with your trainer, your teacher, oh, okay. when he would acquire certain things. Three of something? Three silver Libra rings. One with the weird V in it, and then the two alpine alchemy rings. You also find... 327 gold pieces amongst all the coin purses, 726 silvers, 1,123 coppers, tucked into random packs and pouches on their person, 726 silvers. And on the other hand, of that woman, not the one that was chopped off, but on her left hand, you find a big-ass diamond ring (laughs) with a diamond worth roughly 750 gold pieces stuck in it. 
In one of the pockets, you find... Um, oh, that's the other thing. You also find uh, around her neck, there's this beautiful peridot necklace with a peridot stone in the center of it. Peridot. Peridot. Thank you. <laughs> you know what I meant. Mm-hmm. Which, oddly enough, is one of the gemstones you need for one of your eyes. The last thing you find is something you've never seen before. You pull it's this long chain, and on the end there's this silver, like uh, like a locket almost. It's kind of hanging on one of the men's uh, vests, or excuse me, on his pants. It kind of wraps around, it's clipped onto the belt loop at one end with the chain, and then it wraps around and goes into his back pocket. As you kind of pull it out, there's this strange locket there. As you press the button on top, it opens up, and you see this circular uh, face with 12 numbers on it, and hands that seem to be shifting. One long arm, one small one that seems to be shifting around. You can hear it making this steady sound. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's around, but I'll relay everything that was found and ask if anybody's seen this ticking thing before. Adnant, as you take a look at it, you recognize this. This is a gnomish timekeeper. They're incredibly rare. They allow you to know the time of day at any point in time. They're also worth anywhere from 700 to 1,200 gold pieces. And only the very richest of the rich carry them. Yes, that's a gnomish timekeeper. Have you ever seen one before? No, I don't know. Yes, it helps you know what time of day it is. Oh, I thought it kept time in it. Okay, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. <laughs> Quite extensive. That's a good find there. Means someone very important was. Um, where'd you find that? Exactly. On the that one over there, we that was the one that had the V, the ring with the V on it. Do I recognize that signet? Make a history check. I see it. History sixteen. Sixteen. As you take a look at the symbol on the V and you look over at the man, it takes you a moment. But you recognize him. You've seen him before. This is one of the. This is a member of the Vorst family. And you remember a few months back, as you were wedding planning, your father had a meeting with this very gentleman who lies dead on this floor. And you remember that they were planning a uh, an, an investment. The Vorst family was investing in the Dots family and their venture into a country called Oren, where they were going to be open up a mining operation in some mountain. I recognize that man, actually. I only, I never met him, but saw him briefly. Who is he? I don't know his name, do I? No, you don't know his name. You know what member of the family is with you. You just remember seeing him meeting with your father about And you asked, you know, you'd spoken with your father briefly afterwards, and he had told you that uh, that 
divorced family was going to invest in a mining operation in the north, at Oren, where your your dad was trying to open up a a new uh, mine, gemstone mine. No, I don't know his name. Just he's part of the divorced family. We're trying to make trade up north, open up a mining operation, but. I'm concerned that all of these people are well-to-do. Yes, I mean, and that they're all these zombies. I mean, that's... How do you guess they all got to be together? I don't know. I'm more so. concerned, did she turn them all into this? So, this was all the floor's doing. She made them what they are. And if so, did she kill them? That makes sense. Cecilia, as you're all having this conversation, you're looking around these things, you make your way back to the front, to the main foyer of this theater, this old run-down theater, looking for the stairway that leads up to the balcony. As you get here, you see through your darkness three figures walking up the street. One of them rather tall, and you see as he begins to walk, they're several hundred feet away, making their way out of the uh, theater and towards town. And you watch as the very tall one shifts down into regular size, and his astral shape changes, and they disappear down a side alley, out of sight. About what time of day is it? So uh, just after sundown, mm-hmm. roughly. This point, it is. <laughs> make sure my calendars. I think it's spring right now. Hearing her say that, I'm so going to look at the uh, numbish timepiece <laughs> to see <laughs> where the hands are. Currently, it is six uh, fifteen. So, would I know how to use one of these things? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you think I could hold on to that? Thank you. Sun's I know just... how to use it. If you know how to use it, you can hold on to it. Well, no, I was, I was just looking at it to see if it made any sense. But you can show me sometime how to use it. Sure. I mean, it's currently 6.15. Or actually, um, spring, it's probably closer to 7. I'll say 7 o'clock, roughly. It's early spring, the sun just set. I don't know about you all, but I'm a bit exhausted after that. Me too. Um, did you still want to make your way up the stairs, or were you going to do anything with that information? I wanted to still go upstairs just okay. to see where they were. So you follow the stairway, and you kind of make your way up to the top. Um, if I see her wandering off, I'm going to follow behind her. Okay. And it, yeah, knowing that she's going to the... Oh, how does she know where to get? But if she's watching her, she's going up there. That's where the people were, right? Yeah. So I'll follow up there. Too. Yeah, all you're hearing so. is this yeah. So you all follow. As you see, she's kind of at the front of the theater now, up at the through the main double doors. You can see her as she turns right in the lobby and makes her way towards the stairwell um, that leads up into the balcony, and you guys all kind of follow her. As you, you'd be the first to get there, you can see... Everywhere that tall individual stepped, you see foot, footprints, giving off that strange astral energy. Do you hear to see something? 
I see footprints um, from those figures that we saw upstairs up here, so I wanted to see if there's anything. On the railings where he grasped when he leaned forward, you see large, long handprints. And as you get closer, you can see that the, the star is wisping off of him. You can tell it's fading. Whatever magic it is, it's fading. But it you feel a heavy weight as you approach it. Like your heart just kind of has trouble beating the closer you get to it. And she, only she sees this, right? I'll kind of describe as what do I see and kind of like describe the scene mm-hmm. around. I actually wanted to stay back the floor. Okay. Just, yeah. Close your eyes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Close your eyes. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Reflecting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now I'll go ahead and cast a tech magic, not ritual, just. You're just going to go ahead and pop it off and cast Detect Magic. When you cast Detect Magic, you can sense the remnants as well. There's no sigil, no glyph. It's just that that creature's aura. Like Everywhere he stepped, everything he touched, he left something behind. Residual magic. And it is not a school that you recognize. I'm going to step... Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you said there was like a particular place or thing that like made me feel that way, or it was just like the presence of the just where the the hands were when it when it the, where he reached over the balcony and looked down. You can see where his handprints were. That's it's almost like in that moment he exuded some kind of emotion, and it it just lingers. When I go over there and just kind of like feel over just the markings and stuff too, just to see. So, you go over and you reach out and you kind of run your hand along the railing. Um, You feel a moment of excitement, exhilaration, anxiety. And as you shift your hand a little further down, you see another spot. This time you, you didn't see this in the first time, but you see another handprint. A little closer by, smaller in size. Giving off a little bit of energy. And as you run your hand a little further down to that one, you see, you have a brief moment where you feel comfort. And familiarity. Part. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> okay, I'm gonna leave that for another bedtime. <laughs> Wait. Um. <clears throat> or whatever he was with all these aggressive markings, I'd be cautious, Admeth, because he seemed pretty excited once you showed your form. I don't know why I'd be excited. I don't. I didn't see that, did I? Uh, I think so. No. Not I think I was distracted. Yeah. You were you're pretty distracted in that moment. I think Cecilia was... Cecilia and Castor were the only two that really had a good 
good view of him. View of him. No, you must. I mean, maybe it's your power, the skills that you have, or I don't know. I mean, also on your tattoos and everything's very unique. You're a very unique person for. Nick's born, right? So, yeah. Well, don't really know that what that really means, though. I mean, I know I don't. It could be good or bad. It's probably just maybe what they recognize if you didn't. Well, you couldn't tell what they heard with the word of God and ask. Right. Maybe he just knew based on my abilities. I'll be weary. I also told them about the them leaving and vanishing. Okay. Yeah. So she describes that she saw them kind of making their way up the street. Um, as you kind of peer towards where they were walking, about the distance that she said they turned off, there is an alleyway that kind of veers off to the right and disappears behind a few old buildings, heading towards the uh, towards the ocean. Do we see anybody or anything else over here? Mm-hmm. Just gone. Just gone. Where did the foot tramps look like they may have come from? Seems like they came in. Uh, well, at this point, it's hard to tell because the the, the, the lake is it's fading yeah, at the time. Okay. The longer that it sits, the more it fades. And at this point, actually, with the tech magic going, the footprints that were leaving are slowly fading. You can still see the trail a little bit, but it is slowly beginning to dissipate. I'll just make a quick roundabout wherever this upper section is. Is it multiple rooms or it's just one big balcony? Okay, okay. Think Opera House. Okay. Big balcony right. overlooks the theater down below. And I'll just go, I guess, back down the stairs and see if I pick up any magic before you know about ten minutes runs up. You know, of, okay. just if anything else picks up. You know, down there and back in the, I guess where we were seated and all that stuff. As you kind of wander back down, Caster is still there. He's standing. He's still looking, kind of standing over the floor's body. Um, the you don't pick up anything through the balcony. You don't pick up anything down low, except for that shard is still giving off a little bit of energy. The, the uh, as well as the violin. The violin has not lost its magic potential. It's still giving off a bit of necromancy magic. Did you pick it up? The violin. No, it's still sitting. Now you picked up the shard, didn't you? Yeah, mm-hmm. The violin is not. It's still intact. A couple of the strings are broken, but uh, some of the a couple of the chunks of bone and skulls that kind of make up the frame of it are sitting kind of scattered across the ground. But it's still intact. It's well, just a little information to Castros, you know, being this necromancy, and seems to still be giving off magic. If we, I could mage hand it into a bag if you'd like to keep it. I'm gonna make my way back down. Okay. Um, so you're all we, back together at this point. Then. I can attempt to mend it. I don't know if it'll work, but it's a good idea. Yeah. I mean, it really has. It doesn't like negate something, right? I don't think so. I don't know. I haven't really used it that much, actually. Oh, yeah. So, give it a shot. So you reach down. Um, Real quick, I think there's a stipulation to it about the magical stuff. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it repairs by the magical properties. Mm-hmm. But the magical property's not gone. 
Ah, yeah. It can physically repair a magic item, but not restore magic to it. But it can physically repair the item itself. And knowing that the magic is still intact, you slowly begin to cast mending over it. You grab the pieces of skull that broke off and kind of place it back together. You watch as she runs her fingers across it and casts them in, and you see the skulls just kind of re-adhere to the frame, to the body of it. You take the string, as you pull the string back, it's odd, this string doesn't feel like uh, like it's made of metal, like it's made of wire or, or hair or anything of that nature. It feels more like tendon. As and restring the two strings that are popped in the bow. You take it and restore it back to normal. <laughs> and it does. And as, as you repair it and put it back together, there's this kind of cracking sound. And it, it makes this low hum. I think I fixed it, but um, that string kind of felt more like a tendon, less like a um, piece of wire. Also, um, maybe still... we could sell it, not use it. I don't know. It seems like a black market kind of deal. Right. <laughs> yes. Something along yeah. those lines. Um, definitely keep it for now. Yes. If nothing else, maybe um, put it back in the case. Figure out a way to see what it does later mm. on. Uh, Mage handed to it. It had a case or a bag or something There's like a that. There's a case still sitting on the ass. Your mage hand just holding it with the finger <laughs> just carefully carries it over and sets it back down into the violin case that's sitting on the stage. And closes the case up and latches it. There you go. Oh, thank you. Well, if you guys don't mind, um, I think I'll still try and practice tonight. So. Since we're here. Yeah, absolutely. As well. But I can meet you guys back somewhere if you'd like. Oh, we can wait. <laughs> I'm good with waiting. Don't want wonder, you to caught up again. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if um, what I'm going to do now, because Nigeria said I had to perform with her. I mean, surely death yeah. would be an exception. <laughs> Listen to the notes. You do find a card in her satchel as well. Mm. The imitation. Yeah. We'll take that, too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't really know much about this Iterius fellow, but um, if nothing else, we can just tell him, well, she kind of died. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> kind of unwell. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah. If he's not understanding, well, then that's that. Yeah. He mentioned that he watched her grow up. He didn't watch her grow up, he met her a while back. Okay. Uh, you're not, he, he just said he's known her for a while. You, you don't know exactly okay. how long that entails or how long she's been on the road. So we wouldn't have like that kind of connection with her, I guess. Probably not. It, it sounded more like he just happened to hear her perform okay. some years ago and enjoyed her performance. So he, when he ran into her again, he offered her an opportunity to, to play here. So. Interesting. Well... Practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so maybe it's. Take a short rest. Short rest in it off. The three of you take a short rest. Uh, Casteros, you, uh, you kind of take out which. What are you going to practice with? Liar and. Mm, 
probably affects all, actually. Yeah. A little bit so you can Symphony. Pull out all your instruments yeah. To, to play each of them. Uh, to your comrades who are tending to their wounds, the, the corpses that are littering the front of the uh, the stage. Um, so you begin to practice a bit. Mm-hmm. Say for one and a half hours or so, you guys manage to get your short rest on a pee. Casper's, you just sit, and it's, the acoustics here are amazing. <laughs> As you play, it just sounds, it's got a nice reverb to it as it's echoing mm-hmm. off the walls a little. Very cool. Do you think there's anything we should do to um, maybe help with his performance? Maybe talk to the two of them and <laughs> make up for the fact that uh, the floor is not going to be around. I know there's a spell I can prepare to help. I can use the the fog cloud again. Yes, maybe do something like that. Yes. Yep. What about you? What can I help with that? Got any dancing lights or <laughs> illusions? It's all right if not. I'm just curious. Uh, I could request something though. Do you know Soul Sister? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> for Song of Rest for the short rest, okay. can I do that? Because yeah. I was playing it's five extra hit okay. points. Ooh. Yes. Blessings. Okay. Alright. So, what would you guys like to do from here? According to your uh, timekeepers, it's <laughs> approximately 8.30, going on 9.00. We just head back for the night. Mm-hmm. You think we need to do with all these bodies to clean it up or something? Hide them? I mean, does anybody know we went here? I don't know. Seems just um, the people, like yeah. Colvin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the only one we told was the. You mentioned it at breakfast. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we hide in a spot to tuck them away in a corner or something? Make an investigation check. Someone's gotta open a closet. <laughs> were we like, were we like on a cliff? By <laughs> Wasn't it like on a cliff into like water? No, the uh, ocean is not far from it though. It kind of backs up against the beach, um, mm-hmm. but it's still a little further further down. Okay, okay. 23. 23? Uh, as you get up on the stage, there is a trap door on the stage that leads underneath to where you would guess they probably uh, did performances, they store things with stage hands can go in and off. Um, so as you kind of open it up, yeah, probably the best spot is any. Drag them down into the... Mm-hmm. Was there anything in there? Uh, no. Looks like it's been cleared out a long okay. time ago. Spiders. As you as you open the door, you see his rats kind of skitter. It's gonna stink mm. here. Yeah. <laughs> it's abandoned now. Yeah, you guys pretty abandoned. Drag all the bodies up. Uh, you do the same with the floors as well. Do you want to bury her? I think she deserves better. I don't care about these other sixteen assholes who are yeah, torturing her. Yeah, they can go. But yeah, we could take her down to the beach or something. What do you think? She's potentially a family. Also bury her here. Mm-hmm. To replace her. Yeah. Uh, not within the theater. The theater's got soul force oh. all around. Mm-hmm. But the beach isn't far though. Mm-hmm. So, oh, that's a place here. Mm-hmm. It's good with me. Mm-hmm. 
say it's your call, Casper. Yeah, we can bury her. So you guys take the 16, uh, the, the dead uh, Order of the Lordly Souls, and drag their bodies up and dump them down into the hole and shut the trap door behind them. <laughs> and you pick up Lafour's body and you begin to make your way out of the uh, out of the theater and towards the beach. Do we know if we're going to pass anybody on the way to the beach type of deal that we need to like do something so that she's... You can, I mean, you would probably you'd make like, perception check yeah. as you exit out. Okay. Like, so, yeah. so who, whoever's carrying her? Um, uh, I can also make her invisible. <laughs> Do a perception check. Do it to speed this whole thing or something. Just now walking. So, <laughs> 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 do you? Yeah. Do you know how far it is? Yeah, it is. That's okay. nice. Um, based Lassie. on the direction in which you saw, like as you guys were coming out, it's Lassie. probably um, maybe five or six hundred feet behind the theater. It's fine. We're fine. Let's just go. <laughs> I can just do the one beach. Quick. <laughs> yeah, Make a perception check. I'll just do one. Okay. Anybody that's I have an advantage. <laughs> She's popping with guys. Seven, so... And guidance. Yep. 19, 20, 21, 21 plus 7. I don't know if I'm going to be 28. 28. Yeah, 28. So, um, <laughs> so as you poke your head out, you perk your ears up, and you listen up and down the streets. Um, it's quiet. You don't hear anyone moving around, rustling about. It's eerily quiet for this to be part of the city, actually. But the service of you know is you kind of stick your heads out of the theater and it's all a bunch of run-down, abandoned hovels and townhomes. It seems like at one point the people lived here and they they don't live anymore. Uh, don't know why. Uh, as you begin to carry her out, you shift around to the other side of the theater, kind of walking down the street a little bit, and it does kind of wind down behind this long theater. Um, and at the very back, there is the there's a trail that kind of leads down onto the sandy shores. And as you kind of make your way onto the beach, the sand here is not white, mind you. It's, it's like it's gray with a lot of rock and gravel. Um, it is very uh, east coast, if you will. Mm-hmm. A, lot of, a lot of gray sand, a lot of gravel, a lot of rocks. So you kind of make your way onto the beach. Um, and as you look up ahead, kind of on the shoreline, you see a small boat. There's a little bit of fog washing in, but you can't see a small boat. But maybe thousand feet off. Uh, two lanterns, one hanging at either end. Sailing, appears to be sailing uh, north, actually. Hmm. Shifting up towards the, the main harbor. Are there any logos or sigils on the sails? It's a small boat. It's a rowboat. Oh, it's and a rowboat. Glimmering before it fades into the fog, you see three golden masks in the boat, shifting down the shoreline. Disappearing into the night. And we're gonna take a quick break right there. <laughs> oh god. There it go! That, that better not be fun. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> take a quick break and be right back.